evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network across Australia, north to south, east to west, in every state, every ter- every territory. Well, that's what they tell me. It's also streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. If during the course of the program, the local drug manufacturer knocks on your door because she needs a bit more sugar, the old lady down the road wants some flour or the police want to take you away. Don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Scone. I'm hosting today's program. You wonder what anarchy is all about? Anarchos without rulers. What is the primary function of an anarchist organisation or an anarchist? It's to create a society without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You look at what gives rulers power, and what gives rulers power is inequalities in power and wealth, obviously. So anarchism is about breaking down hierarchy, devolving power, about sharing wealth. So if you're interested in those concepts, well, whether you like it or not, you're an anarchist. If you want to centralise power, uh, ensure that wealth remains in the hands of the few, well, this isn't a program for you. So don't waste your time listening to the anarchist world this week. Now, we've had some fascinating week. Well, every week is fascinating when you're my age. Every day is fascinating. Every minute is fascinating. Just like to remind people that the Public Housing Everybody's Business campaign continues ad nauseum. We will be on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at 6am to 9am on February the 27th. It's Wednesday the 27th of February. So join us. And our slogan is very simple. If you use stamp duty revenue in Victoria, which is $6 billion per year for public housing, you can house 1 million Victorians within a decade. That's not a very difficult thing, is it really? 1 million Victorians in a decade. And what does that do? It has a lot of ongoing positive effects. But I'm fascinated. I am fascinated. Murdoch's rags and... Channel 9's rag, The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald are waiting in the wings to push their mates, Mr Morrison and the Liberal National Party, back into power. I mean, I've seen extraordinary reporting for a long, long time, but what I've seen over the last week is just incredible. And if you think the legacy media, the old print media, doesn't really have any influence, think again. Where do you think radio, television, sodium and social media get their 
direction from. They get their direction from the print media because they don't have the assets or the money to do the research to gather the news. If you look at uh, most of the media these days, it's about commentary, a little bit like the anarchist will this week. I mean, we don't have the money to get thousands of reporters out there to do the hard work. What we do is we uh, comment on what's happening around the world, mainly in this country and occasionally overseas. So it's extraordinary to have seen the changes in the Sydney Morning Herald and the Age since they were taken over by Channel 9 about six weeks ago. I mean, at first these changes were subtle, now they're becoming more and more extreme. And obviously people who are still employed in these positions really have to look at their future in terms of uh, uh, what they're doing because it's a, a interesting change in the dynamics in terms of the issues that are raised and discussed and analysed. And when you look at the uh, Herald Sun, which is Murdoch's main rag left in Australia, uh, the Australian has never actually, you know, the national paper of the Australian has actually never made a profit in its life. It never will make a profit. I mean, Murdoch uh, bankrolls it because it gives him influence in terms of the social, political and um, environmental agenda in this country. So going back, going back to the Herald Sun, they're under a bit of pressure, under a bit of pressure. Their advertising revenue is, continues to be drying up. Their profit margin continues to drop. The number of readers they have continue to drop. The number of readers who are willing to, uh, you know, pay for the garb. Well, sorry, I just I just offended a lot of garbage out there for the uh, opinions that are expressed in that newspaper are beginning to drop. And we've seen a lot of questionable, very questionable political initiatives which have been carried out by the Herald Sun, like, you know, gingering up a group of kids with baseball bats, you know, to beat up some, you know, you know, um, you know, um, Australian kids of African descent. You know, the usual, it's quite an extraordinary situation that we've seen with this newspaper. But now, now they're going to rehabilitate themselves. Their new slogan is, The Herald Sun, we're for you. That's right. We're for you. Could you imagine that? We're for you. We are for you. <laughs> no, I'm not making this up. Uh, I had to laugh. I mean, the only time I look at it is uh, when I have a coffee and it's sitting there because obviously I wouldn't pay any money for that crap. Oh, sorry, I've, I've just insulted crap again. At least with crap you can use it as, as fertiliser. But where for you? When has any privately owned media been for the people they're not for you they're for their major shareholders they're for their owners that's why they're privately owned so get ready some really incredible stuff i'll give you an example now the director of asia was pissed off at the senate uh, estimates um, committee hearings you know why he was pissed off and I can understand. It's not often that I see that the, the uh, head of ASIO is actually pissed off by the government, which theoretically is its employers. But they were pissed off because all the secret information 
regarding their opinion on the Medivac uh, legislation was leaked to the media. That's right. Sensitive security was leaked to the media. And which media was it leaked to? Obviously the Australian, trying to get a little bit of uh, steam up for our friends in the Liberal National Party. It was leaked to the media. Now, he wasn't pissed off by the fact that it was leaked to the media, although that annoyed him. What he was pissed off about is that although it had been leaked to the media, the way the Australian ran the story had nothing to do with the facts. And that's the difference between community radio and the legacy media and major slams of social media is facts seem to be an unnecessary intrusion into their uh, agenda. So fancy that. The head of Australian ASIO pissed off by the fact that not only is highly sensitive security material being leaked by the government to the media, but that when the media reads this security material, and this is the Murdoch's Australian, and they're not happy with the conclusion drawn by ASIO, which obviously has the staff, resources and experience to give a reasonable analysis of what's happening, they change the facts to suit their political picadillos. How extraordinary. They change the facts. No longer do they smother them in butter or drown them in oil, they change them. So even if a secret report is leaked, if it doesn't fit their ideological agenda, you change it. And we are seeing this on a regular basis across the media in this country. Across the media. And nothing highlights this more than the clamouring that's going on in the legacy media and the virtual media regarding some changes to negative gearing and franking credits which the Labor opposition is talking about introducing if they are elected. I'll give you an example. Franking credits. Now, I know it's a bit difficult because I know most listeners to the anarchist world this week are not shareholders unless you've got some type of superannuation then somebody else does it for you I mean we may have a few self-managed retirees listening to the program but obviously people who listen to the anarchist world this week would have their money invested in ethical investments so what's a franking credit well when Howard was Prime Minister and he was you know the money was pouring in through the uh, mining boom not through taxation, through the mining boom, he had all his spare cash. So instead of actually building a bit of infrastructure or making the life of the 33% of Australians who rely on Social Security benefits a little easier, well, he decided that some money should go to the aspirational voters. That's right. And he devised this wonderful scheme that if you're a shareholder and the company has made a profit, right, made a profit and it's paid tax, 
that tax is paid back to you in terms of a what's called a franking credit. Now, currently, if you do listen, watch and read the commercial media and to a lesser extent the uh, government guild at ABC, you would think the sky was falling in. You would think there'd be millions, tens of millions of self-funded retirees who'd be out on the streets begging. Let's not forget that if the income drops below a certain level, you can always apply for your pension payment. Out there begging. Crocodile tears across the nation. It is the foremost discussion issue. It'll be the foremost discussion issue to the next federal election in May. Crocodile tears. And I did a little bit of homework. Because I thought, well, maybe it is. Maybe what they're saying is correct. Now, the Labor opposition has made a few adjustments. It said that anybody on a pension will be able to, or part pension will be able to, continue getting their franking credits. And it's looking at making some other changes to ensure that people with minimal income don't actually get caught up in and lose vital income. But you need 1.2 million in shares. You need to own 1.2 million in shares to receive $20,000 in franking credits per year. Now, if you've got $1.2 million in shares, obviously you've got other assets, property, own a home. So why should I and you give people in this situation billions of dollars every year in franking credits. So if you've got $10 million in shares, your franking credits will go up to $100,000. So what we are seeing is government policy, which is designed, as we saw with the superannuation changes which were uh, aborted, government policy which basically benefits those who have money. And the more money you have, the more benefits you receive. I mean, there is such a thing as a free lunch, and that is a franking credit. And to think that multimillionaires continue to give receive taxpayer-funded largesse while people on Newstart Allowance are expected to survive on less than $250 per week, and that's a million Australians on a Newstart Allowance, you begin to understand that the standard of debate that exists in the legacy media, in the corporate-owned media, in the government-gilded ABC, has a lot, a lot to be desired. Because there is no debate. Because as the head of ASIO said, They're creating their own stories, even if facts are leaked to them. If the facts do not fit their ideological prism, well, then you make up the facts. So no wonder people, you know, rate journalists a little bit above used car salespeople in this day and age. And those Fairfax shareholders who voted 
to merge with Channel 9 as a minor partner are now beginning to understand that what this means in terms of diversity of opinion in the Australian media. And there is no diversity of opinion. Even people who, who propose mild, mild, watered-down reformist programs to crawl back a bit of cash to go back to the 30% of people on Social Security benefits and to public health, public education and public services get held down. For example, negative gearing. Now, the government, the opposition, if it becomes government, will make some changes to the negative gearing law. Anybody who's got a negative gearing property currently will continue to have a negative geared property until they sell it. But new entrants into the market won't be able to avail themselves of a tax deduction for owning more than one property. Nowhere else in the world do we have franking credits for the rich. Nowhere else in the world do we have taxation laws which benefit people that own more than one property. And the whole debate... And the corporate-owned media, and to a lesser extent the government guild at ABC, is about these poor self-funded retirees. Is about these poor property investors and how life is going to be more difficult for them if they can't have their two overseas holidays per year or have an outside meal every second day. It's quite extraordinary. But this is the standard of discussion and debate, and you wonder why, why people are confused. I'll give you another example. We had, 10 days ago, so-called contentious laws passed in Parliament. Now, currently, there are 2,000 hostages in Nauru and Manus Island. I don't call them prisoners, they're hostages. I mean, there are people there to act as an example to the rest of the world. People who've done, who've committed the heinous crime of coming to this country asking for asylum. Okay, heinous crime, terrible crime. In my opinion, they should all be shot. But the government's magnanimity has decided to put them on islands offshore and torture them slowly. Well, maybe I'll get some fun out of it so that their mates can make a lot of money from uh, all these bodgy contracts, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. So you've got these 2,000 hostages, right? It's costing about half a million dollars. I think it's $654,000 per year per hostage to keep them in the luxury they're accustomed to, you know, tents and substandard medical uh, treatment and uh, psychological torture. You know, it, it doesn't come cheap. You know it doesn't come cheap. I know you know it doesn't come cheap. All right? Now, we passed, as a country, we passed contentious legislation last week. And the contentious legislation was that people who had major medical issues should be airlifted back to Australia for treatment. Contentious? Contentious? But in the legacy media, the Murdoch media, the corporate-owned media, the government guild at ABC, to a lesser extent, it went on and on and on and on. How about radical and contentious 
And Mr Morrison, I think his name's Morrison, the prime, the current Prime Minister of Australia, hard to keep track of them, jumps up and down and says, oh, oh, wow, what an election opportunity. I've got these 2,000 hostages. They're going to release a few of them into the camp. Let's beat them. Let's beat them up. Let's kick them around and let's see how the Australian public respond. And guess what? The more kicking, the more brutalisation, the greater the degree of torture, the greater the roar of acclaim from the crowd. And we've seen the Liberal National Party, according to the latest poll, now running neck and neck with the Labor opposition about who's going to be the next government after the May elections. Just in case you don't know, over the last four years, after the last six years, I think over 65,000 asylum seekers have come to this country by air. They're not put in concentration camps. Up, oh, so contentious. And again, it's not just a matter of creating a climate of fear. It's about creating a climate of hatred. It's about ensuring that people are forgotten, ostracised. And now this contentious legislation, Mr Morrison and his hacks talk about we're going to open up Christmas Island Detention Centre. You could see the glee in their eyes. And then we had the Nauruan government yesterday say, well, we decide who leaves Nauru. We decide... Because they don't want people to leave Nauru because the more asylum seekers leave Nauru, the less money comes into the corrupt Nauruan government. Think about it. Extraordinary. Just an extraordinary situation we find ourselves in in 2018. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scott. I'm hosting today's program. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. No, you will not find out what colour socks I'm wearing, but you may find out a few of the activities that I'm promoting and involved in with the Anarchism Institute and public interest before corporate interest. Talking about public interest before corporate interest, uh, we need more members, especially members on the electoral roll. So if you're on the electoral roll and you'd like to join public interest before corporate interest, you can ring me on 0439 395 489. You can write for an application form to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can download the material, uh, the application for pibci.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, P-I-B-C-I.net. Don't forget, we now have a good Twitter stream, pibci, P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U. You can go to the uh, our YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, and hey presto, there's material. And you can also um, go to our updated webpage, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Quite an interesting um, 
web page has all been updated and hopefully the next few months our Facebook page will be once again roaring. That's the Pipsy Facebook page. So you can join. It's free. It's up to you. The sooner we get the 550 members of the electoral roll, the sooner we can apply to be a, a registered federal political party, the sooner we can put some political pressure. Why leave the politics to the the authoritarian, extreme right, conservative elements which currently dominate the crossbenches both in the federal parliament and state governments around this country. For far too long, we've given these people a free run. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, Senator Coleman. West Australian senator, likes to go on holidays, likes to ring up the CEO of Hello World, who's the treasurer of the Liberal Party and the major donor to the Liberal Party, I think about over 170 grand over the last year or so, and say, mate, can you get me some tickets, me and the kiddies and the wife, some tickets for a bit of a knees-up Mother Brown in Singapore? Sure, mate. By the way, by the way, how's that contract negotiation going? You know, we've always got money available to our friends. Oh, no trouble, mate. I'm sure we'll sort it out. And sort it out it was. Mr. Coleman finds out that he hasn't been charged for his airfares, a subsidiary of Hello World, major travel agency in Australia, lands another government contract, member who's assessing, a public servant assessing the contract, who wants to decrease the margins a bit, gets shunted aside. And that's how it works. Now, people talk about corruption, and the way it works is very simple. It's not the fact that you give somebody money in a brown paper bag. That was Bielke Peterson's trick. I mean, you can't get away with that in 2018. You've got to be a little bit more sophisticated. So public corruption is a huge issue. And it's a huge issue because it's based on a wink and a nod. And although we have public servants whose job it is to protect the public interest when you're talking about these contracts worth hundreds of millions of dollars, as we saw with the so-called security contract in Papua New Guinea for Manus Island, $500 million to some company registered in some shack on Kangaroo Island. Not that I've got anything against shacks on Kangaroo Island. I'm sure they'd be very wonderful if they're used for the right things, like watching the ocean. But that's how the corruption works. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars being diddled from the taxpayer every year. We're not talking about somebody working a few extra hours on their Centrelink payments or doing a little bit of extra, you know, a little bit of black work in the black economy. We're talking about coordinated corporate corruption, which is based on the issuing of government contracts to provide services which Historically, we're provided by the public service, but because of the privatisation orgy we've had over the last 40 years, what we are seeing is more and more 
services which were delivered by the public service are now delivered by private contractors. And it's it's bad enough that 40 cents of every taxpayer's dollar that goes to a private contract goes into profits or uh, running the organisation and the other 60 cents goes towards providing the service. And we've seen this with the so-called employment service. We see it with the nursing home sector. It just goes on and on, the private health insurance industry. But where the big money is made, where the corruption occurs, where you don't have a paper trail, where you don't have brown paper bags, is the awarding of contracts worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And the experts, and this is so ironical, the experts in drawing up dodgy contracts, as we've seen with the Paladin Group and Security of Manus Island, seems to be Border Force, Dutton's personal private fiefdom, where they think they're beyond the law. They think they are the law. And we are seeing more and more government contracts that are questionable. Very questionable. One, in terms of the profit margin, which has been offered to these private contractors. Two, the fact that it's usually the same people who over and over seem to win these private contracts. Three, the lack of reporting and oversight of these contracts by an overstretched, underfunded public service. And four, the wink and the nod, the old school tie mentality, which in many situations governs who gets these private contracts. And these aren't contracts between private companies. These are contracts that you and I are paying for through taxation. This is the government giving taxpayers money to privately owned organisations, some listed on the stock market, many not listed on the stock market, who then provide a substandard basic service. And we see it constantly, whether it's the homeless industry, whether it's nursing home care, it just goes on and on. Just extraordinary. I mean, we saw with the Banking Royal Commission, you know, the wink and the nod, the fact that the regulators were actually being wined and dined by the very people they were supposed to regulate. And obviously when you look at somebody in the eye, it's a little bit more difficult to kind of push him down and kick him around. That's why we have such little information about asylum seekers. I mean, we don't want to look them in the eye when you're kicking them, do you? Because you may find out they're humans. That's right. I know. It's a hard thing to believe. Hard thing to believe that asylum seekers are human beings, but hard thing to believe. Beginning back to this uh, corruption. It's endemic. I never thought I'd be talking like this 10 years ago, but it's endemic. It's the wink and the nod. It is the ugly underside, the soft underbelly of the privatisation bandwagon, how people make inordinate amounts of profits from taxpayer-funded 
organisations that provide basic, inadequate services or returns for the contract they've been given. And we've seen some real dodgy, 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 dodgy examples, like the $450 million given to some two-bit organisation to protect the Barrier Reef, the $500 million given to some two-bit organisation whose uh, directors are under, you know, are facing... uh, uh, criminal investigation, you know, it's just extraordinary. It, it's just extraordinary. It's a little bit... See, it's, it's analogous to what happened with the Banking Royal Commission. Now, when the the Royal Commissioners looked at the situation, they found that the regulators, the people who were supposed to regulate the financial sector and the banks, didn't have the will, the legislative power or the staff to actually regulate the banking sector and they took full advantage of it because they are organisations whose primary responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, not look after their customers. I mean, customers are just idiots. I mean, I'm a customer of the banks. I'm an idiot. I know. Every time I see one of their charge sheets, I know I'm a bloody idiot. And that's the way we're treated. That's not customers. It's the major shareholders. They're the ones who've got the... sitting in the driver's seat. They've got the whip whipping the horse until it drops dead. So we've got this situation where... Corrupt behaviour is actually rewarded and encouraged because there are no regulators. And if there are regulators, you've got to have paper tiger regulators. Well, you have paper tiger regulators to give people a false sense of security. And the same thing happens in many other aspects of life. For example, nursing homes. Currently, we're in the middle of a royal commission into nursing homes. And I've heard the same words being used to excuse behaviour in the privately owned nursing homes which you wouldn't tolerate in a fit. As I heard when the Banking Royal Commission was called. It's very simple. It's about culture, workplace culture. Blame the workers. Workplace culture. What creates workplace culture? But the institutional structures and the rules and regulations under which individuals work within these institutions. That creates that negative culture. A culture of neglect. A culture of exploitation. Now, in 1987... When the Commonwealth Parliament wanted to privatise the nursing home sector, understanding that tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands of Australians would need nursing home care as the population aged, they removed staff-client ratios to make the industry more profitable so private money would flow into the industry and build up the nursing home sector. 
How do you maximise profits in a nursing home? You skimp on staff and you skimp on services and you skimp on food. It's very simple. The average price spent on feeding people in nursing homes is about half the average price spent on feeding people in prison. That's right. Half. So, what happens? I mean, there are, in my opinion, there are certain industries that are not capable of being privatised. And the nursing home sector is one of those industries. Because if you provide a good nursing home service, the profits that are made are marginal. The greater the profits that are made, the increased costs for the residents and the decreased services to the residents. I mean, there are some nursing homes where you've got to pay two bucks to get your teeth, you know, um, cleaned. It's part of the contract, boys and girls. It's part of the contract. You get your teeth brushed because you can't brush them yourself. Ka-ching, two bucks. You need your bed changed. Ka-ching, another five bucks. It all adds up, 500, 600 a week on top of the fees. So there are some industries that should never have been privatised. And the aged care sector is one industry that should never have been privatised. Another industry that shouldn't have been privatised, where we should have had a mixed economy, competition between the private sector and the um, public sector, was private health insurance. When Medibank was privatised by the Honourable Mr Abbott, hopefully the he will lose his seat. He deserves to lose his seat because he's done so much damage, that man. And I'm not talking about his bicycle seat either. His parliamentary seat. What happened when Medibank Private was privatised? They started squeezing their customers. And most of the people who were forced to take out private health insurance because if you earn over a certain amount, you get charged double if you don't take out private health insurance, so we've got a, a sting in the system which forces people who don't even want private health insurance to take out private health insurance. And the sting in the system is that the, the amount of rebates and services customers are able to claim kind of evaporated within a month or two so they could actually maximise profits. So there are certain industries you have to think very closely about whether they can be privatised or a private corporation can offer that service. Now, obviously, a private corporation can offer a service in any field of human endeavour as long as people are willing to cough up the cash to get that service. But the dilemma is in a society where there's inequalities, major inequalities, not everybody can cash cough up the cash to receive the service. And that's when, theoretically, the state steps in and assists people to access basic services, whether it's power, whether it's health, whether it's education. But what we've seen in the last 40 years is the abrogation of that responsibility to such an extent that Labor governments at the state and federal level are at the very forefront of that privatisation orgy. 
Just don't forget it was the Hawke-Keating government which began the deregulation, you know, marathon, which continues today. So think about it. So what are we offering? What are we offering? Well, I could babble on here about the light on the hill, radical social change. No, I'm not going to do that. Most of these problems can be solved tomorrow by the creation of a mixed economy. And I'm not talking just about a public and private economy, but I'm talking about a a three-tier economy, which could resolve many of the problems we face with as a community, as individuals in society. I'm talking about a public service which provides basic care, access to education to everybody in the community, irrespective of their income, where your possibilities and your children's possibilities and your health outcomes are not determined by your size of your credit card um, limit, more how much money you got in your self-funded retiree, managed self, self-managed retiree thing or how many shares you got and whether you get franking credits or whether you, you know, you're living on a street. It's determined by the fact that you are a, a human being and you are part of this society. So there will be a public sector and I expect the public sector will be expanded. Then you've got a private sector. Now there are some avenues in society where it's logical to have a private sector. Not a private sector which is based on monopolies, which artificially forces up prices as we see in Australia in many streams, but a private sector which provides services which are not essential. And then what we need to see develop in in Australia, which we don't have, is a strong cooperative sector. That's right, a strong cooperative sector. Cooperatives and collectives. Cooperatives and collectives can provide meaningful, worthwhile employment to people. That's right. And what we need to see is legislation passed in Parliament which allows a seeding funding to be given to groups of people who want to set up cooperatives and collectives which provide employment for people. And before you know it, most of the unemployed will be soaked up in cooperatives and collectives, those who are actually able to work. And they provide services which compete in an open marketplace. So think about it. There are many things we can do to change this current economic direction. But no, the current government and the opposition continue to push solutions which are based on privatisation, which are based on deregulation. Although I have noticed that a little bit of sense seems to be coming back into the marketplace. Look at the dairy industry. Irrespective of what you think about the dairy industry and what you think about, you know, milk production, forced milk production for human consumption, 
mean, the dairy industry was relatively profit, profitable up to the 1990s. And then the dairy farmers fell for it. The old story, we're going to open up the marketplaces, free marketplace, you're going to be able to compete on the international marketplace. And hey, bingo, before you knew it, 80 years of mutualisation, 80 years of cooperatives and mutual societies which are owned by dairy farmers are legislated out of existence. And we have an open three marketplace. And within 20 years, over half of the dairy farms have closed down. And now, as I speak, there is a debate in federal parliament about reintroducing regulations, yes, the R word, regulations into the dairy sector to ensure that it actually survives. Think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Just in case you're one of those people who's wondering what's happening regarding the dinner on Wednesday, the 23rd of February, we're not having a dinner, we're having a lunch. 1pm to 3pm, 1pm to about 3.30pm, La Porchetta, 398, Raftown Street, Carlton North in Melbourne. So if you're around, 1pm, you buy your own food and drinks, interesting company, interesting conversations. So that's 23rd of February, and on the... That's right. No, sorry, my apologies. That's the 20th of February. 20th of February. No, I must be wrong. (laughs) Is the 20th, 20th, yeah, tw- yeah, the 20th of February. Yeah, 20th of February, Wednesday, the 20th of February, lunch at La Porquette is 1 pm to 3.30 pm, uh, 398, Raftown Street, Carlton North in Melbourne. And on the 27th, it'll be back to the dinner, 6 pm, same venue, but I'll talk about that. So if you got nothing to do this afternoon and you're listening to the Anarchist World this week on Wednesday, the 20th of um, February, come and join us. Lunch, 1pm, pay for your own food and drinks. Meet some interesting people for a change. Get out of your house. Get down the road. Get involved. Right. A few f- few details. Phone numbers, if you want to leave some nice messages, 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to me. I do do answer letters. Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to our personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public or Toscano for Dunkley, which is an old Facebook page. You can um, go to the Pipsy website, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, on the YouTube channel, Twitter, P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U, uh, Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net or, uh, for the uh, web page and it goes on and on. So there's all this, this material that you can actually access on social media if you are part of that push to uh, use social media, which everybody is doing. Now, it gets better. As I said, great program today, not because of anything I'm saying, but because of what's been happening in the world well, in Australia, I'm keeping to Australia today. Although, it's quite interesting, isn't it, with Venezuela, irrespective of what you think is happening there, when you get the President of the United States of America saying, 
You're not going to get away with it. We're going to do a bit of regime change. Could you imagine if the Chinese Premier got up and said to the Australian Prime Minister, look here, mate, it's time you went. Nobody loves you anymore. Could you imagine the ruckus in this country? But it seems that what is good for the geese isn't good for the gander as far as the USA is concerned. Back to its old tricks of, uh, you know... uh, colonising South America, but it's got a lot of allies these days. They've all gone back to the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation mantra. But getting back to good old Australia, now remember when there was the fish kill about a month ago, the people of Meandy said in the Murray-Darling bases, look, it's due to the fact there's not enough water. We had all these experts jump up and down and tell us well, no, 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 it's the drought. And so we had the Academy of Sciences which actually looked at the situation and it made some interesting findings. They said, yep, it's all about water. Yes, we've got a drought, but at the same time we've got a drought, we keep emptying the lakes. So there's insufficient water downstream in order to sustain life. End of story. And you say, well, why is there insufficient water? Is it because of the drought? Is it because of irrigation? Is it because of government legislation? Now, as we know, water has been privatised along the Murray-Darling Basin. People pay good money for water and they can actually sell their water allocation. But the government, that's the coalition government, its wisdom, has put an embargo on the amount of water that farmers can sell back to the government to be used to improve environmental flows. Here we see another case of corruption. Because that's what it is. Where people are not paying for water. And those who want to sell water are not allowed to sell that water by the government in order to improve environmental flows. So it highlights the poverty of politics in Australia in 2018. And why do we have such a poverty of politics? Because over 50% of people who are elected to Parliament have never had a bloody job in their life. They've gone out, they've always been political advisers, and then they get their plum jobs, they get plum pre-selections from the party, whether it's Labor or Liberal or National. So you've got people in Parliament who've got no experience about real life, who have no idea what real life is about, who have no idea how things work. So you get somebody like Senator Cormann, who's the finance minister, didn't notice that he hadn't been charged for a holiday he and his family had in Singapore, well, the airline fares. And you wonder why we've got such pathetic legislative outcomes in this country. And they are pathetic. Because ultimately, 
we're responsible for this income, this outcome. We're responsible because we just let it flow. But like the Murray Darling, we're getting into a situation where it's going to have profound impacts on all Australians if we don't actually have people in positions of authority who actually know what they're doing. I mean, having a professional political elite, like having a professional legal elite, is akin to self-harm. That's what we're seeing. National self-harm on an industrial scale. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program has been podcast on 3cr.org.au. It's available as a podcast on 3cr.org.au. That's right. You can... You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. That's 0439 395 489. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. And remember, lunch today, lunch today, 1pm, Wednesday the 20th of February, La Porqueta, join me, enjoy yourselves. Thank you once again for listening to us. Remember my Facebook page, Toscana for the Public, Twitter, P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U, YouTube, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, webpage, anarchistmedia.org. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. See you. Well, I won't see you, and I won't hear you, but you'll be listening to me hopefully next week, and if you're not, Maybe you've got some sense and you've grown up. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week. Here we go. The satellite's coming down. I've been sucked up. They've left the cow behind this time. Sorry, Mrs. Cow. We'll see you next week on the Anarchist World. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.